Hello, and welcome to episode one of CVA University. COVID-19 and cardiovascular disease will be our subject today. I sat down with Dr. Tom Egan to discuss the subject. He's an interventional cardiologist with CVA and is one of the elder statesmen of the group. Cardiovascular Associates of the Southeast is based in Birmingham, Alabama, situated off Highway 280 in the Colonnade. CVA has a facility that is second to none when it comes to comfort, natural light, and aesthetics. A visit at CVA is truly unlike any visit you will have at another medical practice. The environment is so great, the caregivers are so wonderful, and there's so much natural light that it can't help but be a good visit when you come to CVA. So sit down, enjoy our conversation. Dr. Egan is an expert when it comes to cardiovascular health and disease and wanted to talk about COVID-19 and how it affects those things. So thank you for joining us and enjoy our conversation. Well, thanks, Will, for the introduction. I'm still a little bit uh, hurt, uh, slightly offended by being called one of the elder statesmen, but uh, the facts are the facts, and that's what we'll talk about today are the facts about COVID-19 and its impact on cardiovascular disease and our practice of cardiology and cardiovascular medicine here at uh, CVA in Birmingham, Alabama. So, Dr. Egan, how long have you been at Cardiovascular Associates in Birmingham? Well, Will, I I was a... uh, uh, a young, uh, in the day, trained interventional cardiologist. I did my uh, internal medicine at uh, UAB and then trained at cardiology at Emory University in Atlanta and then went on to train in interventional cardiology for two years at Arizona Heart in Phoenix and then moved back to Birmingham, where I'm originally from. My father's been a, uh, was a cardiologist trained here in Birmingham, but practice mostly internal medicine. So when I finished my training in 1993, I decided to come back to Birmingham and join Cardiovascular Associates. So I've been in practice with this group for over 27 years since 1993. That's wonderful. Um, so as we kind of get into our episode today, specifically, what are, what are just some bullet points? What are we covering today? Well, I think the, the main topic of the day, obviously, is the topic uh, all across the world is this pandemic, uh, which has been labeled as COVID-19. Uh, that name comes from uh, a virus, the a coronavirus, that uh, originally became apparent in China in late 2019, and since that time has spread throughout the world. We know there's over 10 million cases. There's uh, over 500,000 deaths. We know the statistics here. Here at the end of July, in the United States, we're looking at over 140,000 deaths, uh, millions of people infected with this virus. And certainly it still is uh, ever-present, propagating throughout the population, and we have yet to get a good handle on this virus. Hopefully, with the efforts that have been made uh, with mitigation, uh, changing public habits uh, about infectious diseases, hopefully we'll be able to soon get a handle on this virus and then ultimately get a solution such as either a treatment or a vaccine uh, to prevent and get rid of this virus uh, once and for all. So in your in your 20 plus years of practice, have you ever seen something like this affect your part of medicine like it is right now and your patients? 
No, I really have never seen anything like this since I've been in practice. I mean, certainly we know from history about uh, some historical uh, examples of pandemics, such as the Spanish flu in 1917 and 1918. There have been other flu epidemics uh, that have occurred throughout the world. Recently, in the last 20 years, there have been similar coronavirus infections, such as SARS, S-A-R-S, and MERS, M-E-R-S, that are caused by viruses similar to this one. We have experienced some outbreaks of the flu, such as H1N1 or the swine flu, but nothing to the extent that this virus uh, has done and nothing to the amount of uh, illness and change in everyday life uh, that uh, that I've ever witnessed uh, an infectious disease uh, happen in my lifetime and certainly in my time as a practicing physician. So let's segue right in. And, and how does this affect the patient who has cardiovascular disease specifically? The patient that you know, you, you've spent your whole career dealing with, how is this coming in and affecting their lives? Well, the effect of the infection of COVID-19 has uh, been, been multiple, uh, has multiple effects in multiple different areas. Uh, first of all, COVID-19, the virus itself, not only makes people very sick, uh, as we know, they prevent with, present with a flu-like illness and then subsequently can get very sick and have the infection involve their lungs and then, and then involve the rest of the body, including the heart. So we see patients that are very ill with COVID-19 where they have acute uh, illnesses related to their heart and vascular system, such as uh, heart attacks, uh, congestive heart failure, uh, thrombosis, blood clots throughout the body, uh, prevents very complicated problems dealing with people very sick with this virus, uh, not only affecting their lungs and other parts of their body, but also the heart. So cardiologists have had to uh, figure out ways to take care of patients that are acutely ill with COVID-19 that have specific cardiac problems. Uh, that includes dealing with pe- patients that have heart attacks, dealing with patients that have severe heart failure, having to put them on bypass, what we call ECMO, uh, a type of bypass to help patients survive these severe illnesses. Uh, and unfortunately, those patients that get severely ill with their heart uh, when it becomes involved with COVID-19, the prognosis is not good. So it's created a lot of challenges for us as cardiologists taking care of patients that are very ill with COVID-19. In addition to that, the other double-edged sword of this is that patients that uh, have cardiovascular disease, which are usually chronic diseases, have been less likely to come to the physician, come to the cardiologist, because of the fear that they may contract the virus coming to a clinic or to a hospital. So they have postponed necessary uh, procedures that could protect them against complications of their cardiovascular disease, such as procedures related to electrical issues like pacemakers or atrial fibrillation. Uh, They may have postponed uh, taking care of angina or heart pain, uh, and they may suffer heart attacks. We certainly have seen that across the country where patients have not wanted to come to the doctor, have died at home from heart attacks when they could have been taken care of at the hospital. We take care of a lot of patients with other types of cardiovascular illnesses such as peripheral arterial disease. These patients suffer from severe blockages to their legs and other parts of their bodies. And when they're not taken care of, they could have lose a, lose a limb, 
Uh, they have what's called mesenteric ischemia, poor blood circulation to the stomach, and they can have uh, severe illnesses related to poor circulation to their uh, abdominal contents. Uh, this can create very difficult problems for patients uh, when they ultimately present to the hospital. Their disease may be far too developed, far too complicated for us to easily take care of. So not being able to take care of these patients earlier uh, is affecting their disease or their morbidity and their mortality. So it sounds like that is one of our key messages today on this episode is if you are having chest pain, if you are having any issues, that you don't need to be scared about coming and checking in with your cardiologist here at CVA. Well, certainly here at CVA, we follow the guidelines. We follow all the national guidelines, the CDC guidelines. Uh, the American College of Cardiology, the uh, American Medical Association, all of these guidelines are published and updated daily, and we follow those guidelines to the T. That includes how we take care of patients, mitigation, protecting patients when they need to come into the physician's office, uh, with screening, uh, with cleaning of uh, patient areas, uh, masking, uh, and making sure that the patients are safe when they come in. So we use these mitigation efforts to protect our patients. But when patients uh, don't come to us, uh, they may suffer these complications. Uh, so we're, we're able to deal with these patients uh, by mitigating and protecting them. Currently, uh, well, let's go back. Back early when the government uh, did what's called a, a shutdown, and many states followed that shutdown, what was determined at that time, uh, late March to early April, was to stop all elective admissions at hospitals across the United States in order to uh, keep hospital beds and ICU beds in reserve just in case for the onslaught of huge numbers of patients infected with COVID-19. At that time, that included many, many of the procedures that we do as cardiologists and would only do patients that were having emergencies that presented to the hospital. I think, unfortunately, that was too aggressive. Uh, what we have found, at least in our area, is that we've been able to take care of patients with COVID-19. We've had the capacity at clinics and hospitals to care for both patients with COVID-19 and also patients that have urgent or acutely uh, uh, or acutely ill with cardiovascular problems. So the guidelines as far as what procedures and treatments can be done right now have certainly loosened up as compared to late March, early April. And so we're able to do just about all of the things that we do to patients to take care of patients, all types of procedures. Uh, because most of what we do as cardiologists are urgent or semi-urgent or emergent. And these patients need these procedures. Uh, you can try to equate it to other areas of medicine, such as cancer patients. Say a, pa a patient comes in with a new cancer. Well, if they don't get that cancer taken care of, they very likely could succumb to that cancer. Uh, and our patients that have significant cardiovascular problems, if they don't get that problem taken care of very soon, very quickly, not only could they get very sick, but they could die from that uh, problem, that cardiovascular problem. So now uh, we've been able to continue to do the procedures that our patients need in addition to uh, taking care of COVID patients that are infected at the hospitals. That's great info. 
Um, the the two words that that I have heard um, and the climate today is that you turn on the TV, you open your computer, you look at your phone. There is more information than you want on all sides of the spectrum. What I've seen is it lead to a lot of confusion and a lot of fear about COVID. And you've already talked about, you know, as a practice, what you guys do to make sure that you're adhering to the guidelines, that you're keeping people safe, that you're still doing elective procedures. But what would you say? You are a, a subject matter expert. The confusion and fear kind of around COVID, it do we need to be scared? And to what level do you need to be scared? And to what level do you need to come see somebody when there's a problem? Well, I think certainly this is a unique um, pandemic. It's something that we have not seen in many years uh, around the world. It's created a lot of unique problems. Uh, it's a virus that's very different than many of the other viruses uh, that have hit, such as the flu virus. Because of that, you see the experts, and there are a lot of experts uh, in virology, epidemiology, infectious disease, that we see on the news, uh, that we read about in the journals, that have concerns about how we control and treat uh, this virus. And those concerns uh, now in the day of uh, days of social media are passed down to the the world to everyone reads those, sees those, and the public sees that, and they see the concern, they they see the problems that this virus presents, and I think that creates a, a large amount of fear. I think what I would tell the public is is that there are a lot of fantastic experts working on this around the clock to come up with a solution to this virus to this pandemic. I remain optimistic that uh, these experts will come up with uh, not only a therapy, uh, but also a vaccine and an ultimate uh, solution to end uh, this pandemic. When will that come? I don't think anyone really knows. So until we get to that point where we feel secure, uh, the medical community feels secure that we at least have a therapy uh, or even a, uh, a solution such as a vaccine, we must be cautious and continue to use the mitigation efforts that all of these societies have published on how we slow the spread of this virus, how we protect the most vulnerable population from contracting this virus when they ultimately could succumb to it. So yes, there is fear out there. And yes, there's a lot of fake news. But we as physicians try to listen to uh, the experts in our field, the experts across medicine, uh, and what the recommendations are on how we take care of these patients, how we mitigate this virus, and how we go forward. So I think an interesting thing that has come out of this pandemic is the increased usage of telemedicine for how you are inter interacting with your patients going through. Can we talk about that for a minute? And that doesn't really apply if you're having chest pain or urgent symptoms or anything like that. But this has maybe grown a tool that can really help in the frequency of doctor's visits that people will have in the future and specifically telemedicine. Now, it's not somebody necessarily sitting in the room with you, but it is a great tool, right? What, what have you guys kind of seen on your practice level? 
Well, from uh, when we talk about telemedicine, we've had telemedicine around for some time. Uh, obviously, without pandemics and this virus, telemedicine is not needed to be utilized except in special circumstances where patients were not able to travel to see their physician. Because of the pandemic, telemedicine has really come to the forefront on how we care for patients that are not able or not safely able to come out of their homes and come to the, see the physician, uh, their physician. And right off the bat, uh, we here at CVA started utilizing telemedicine uh, right away. And it's been a great tool to be able to contact our patients, check on our patients. We can use both audio and video. So we can see our patients. We can review their medicines. We can talk to the patients. uh, We can have the... uh, Video cameras scan the patient's bodies and look for problems or um, uh, side effects, complications of their cardiovascular disease uh, through use of video. So we've been able to use telemedicine to really help take care of our patients, stay in contact with our patients, make sure uh, that they are being cared for at home. And when the coast is clear, they're able to come see us. We're able to take a look at them, do other things that are necessary. But telemedicine has been key for the medical community during this pandemic to maintain some level of care for these patients uh, that uh, would be vulnerable uh, and would be at risk by coming out of their homes and coming to see their physician. Good. Now, you have a large stack of stats and data in your lap there. What uh? T- tell me some of the the hard stats on this. What what are you guys seeing? Well, I, I have a number of journals. I keep up with journals. I try to read all of the journals in uh, cardiology and medicine, and the the uh, different specialties within cardiovascular disease. I also keep up with what the American Medical Association and the CDC publish on a daily basis regarding. Uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic, as well as uh, the latest in treatments uh, of cardiovascular uh, diseases. There is a lot of data and a lot of things to keep up with, and the data changes daily. Uh, So in order for me to uh, keep up with what's the latest recommendation, we try to keep up with the data on a daily basis. It does stress us somewhat, but I would say that uh, social media, uh, Twitter, Um, uh, and other uh, podcasts uh, that are published by various uh, medical societies are helpful and able to update me, update uh, my colleagues uh, on a daily basis on what is the latest, uh, what is the best recommendation on how we treat not only patients that are suffering from this pandemic, but uh, also uh, suffering from uh, different forms of cardiovascular disease. So I know some of the data I've seen from a cath lab visit perspective, you know, when March of 2020 hit, the volumes just plummeted on people coming in with chest pain symptoms. Um, Is that what you have seen as well covering cath labs around Birmingham, Alabama? Well, specifically related to cardiac catheterization uh, and then uh, subsequent to that are acute myocardial infarctions. We have seen across not only the United States, but across the world, and something that's been published, very well published from Italy, were the dramatic drop in myocardial infarctions presenting to hospitals, what we call STEMIs, and also other patients that suffer from coronary artery disease or angina. 
which decreased the number of patients presenting to cardiac catheterization labs for diagnosis for arteriograms. There are a lot of reasons for that. It's not that the disease just cured itself because of COVID-19. Those diseases, coronary artery disease, blockages, heart attacks, they're still there. The patients are just not coming in for obvious reasons. Either they're sick with COVID or they're fearful of COVID and contracting COVID. And they've not been coming to the physicians, their cardiologists, to be uh, pre-checked and have their diseases diagnosed prior to succumbing to a significant event. So we have seen a decrease across the board, not only in patients presenting to the ambulatory care setting, but also to hospital emergency rooms, and then obviously to cardiac catheterization labs around, around the world. And the reason for that is multiple, as I said earlier, but it, the, that disease, those diseases have not just been cured. They're still out there. I think those are very powerful stats. And some of the biggest takeaways we can have here are if you are having symptoms, don't stay home. You know, get in touch with your doctor. Come to the hospital if you're having serious symptoms, because, you know, those statistics are, are pretty scary. The, the risk of, I guess the risk of COVID-19 is not enough to delay your care for cardiovascular disease. That's what I'm hearing from you. Well, I think both need to be addressed. We certainly need to take care of patients with COVID-19 and deal with this pandemic. But at the same time, we must continue to take care of cardiovascular patients and prevent the complications of cardiovascular disease, such as heart attacks, myocardial infarctions. And uh, we certainly still know that a patient that suffers a significant myocardial infarction, their risk of death is still very high, maybe 20 to 25 percent. We know uh, across the world now the risk and the mortality uh, from COVID-19 is somewhere around 1 percent. That varies from country to country, uh, state to state, locale to locale. But the risk from dying of a heart attack is still very high, and especially a heart attack that's not cared for appropriately and quickly, the risk of death is very high. So we must continue not only taking care of this uh, patients with COVID-19, but continue to take care of our patients with cardiovascular disease and prevent uh, patients from dying from their cardiovascular disease. Well, that is going to do it for the first episode of CVA University, COVID-19 and Cardiovascular Disease. We hope you enjoyed our episode today. There will be many more featuring other members of the group. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments or want to tell us how much you enjoyed the podcast or want to suggest some subject matter for us to cover in the future, do not hesitate to reach out to us at the email address education at cvapc.com that's education at cvapc.com on that note if you want more information about our practice cardiovascular associates of the southeast do not hesitate to visit our wonderful website at cvapc.com we look forward to bringing you more information in the future and please tune in again and thanks again for listening today